Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. This is Relentless Daring on Podbean.com. Welcome to the land of bourbon and bad decisions. This is Relentless Daring live on Podbean.com and the Podbean app. If you are listening live, um, welcome back to the new room. They had to uh, restart this thing for some reason. It was being really stupid. Um. But that being said, uh, before I get into the show, let me tell you about coffee, APR coffee to be exact. American Pride Roasters Coffee is the finest coffee roasted in North America right outside the beautiful, sunny metropolis of Des Moines, Iowa. Uh, Dave Matthews out there has gone out of his way to create some of the finest blends of coffee. Uh, There are blends that recognize... uh, some of the hosts over on Mojo50 at mojo50.com. Uh, check out some of their blends that are absolutely outstanding, or even some of their more historic blends uh, named after presidents, named after inventors like George Washington Carver. Um, there's so many great, great roasts to choose from, so many great flavors. And the best part is, if you want your coffee ground a certain way, they grind it to order. It's absolutely amazing. Uh, check it out. Even if you even if you have one of those uh, machines that takes the little coffee pod things, that I'm not going to say the name of the machine because it's copyrighted and they're not paying me to say the name of it. If you have one of those things that takes the little plastic coffee pods, uh, you can even order coffee for that. So check it out, aprcoffee.com, uh, American Pride Roasters, When you go there, order your coffee in these special instructions. Tell them that you heard about it through this show, Relentless Daring, or say my name, Tyler Morgan. Again, thank you so much. APR Coffee, historically great coffee. All right. So this is the episode where I will lose listeners. Yes, that's right, ladies and gentlemen. I'm going to be defending an absolute bane of the existence of many conservatives for decades, Mr. Alec Baldwin. I'm sure we are all familiar now with what happened on the set of his movie Rust outside of Santa Fe, New Mexico. And to be fair, I will put what blame I need to on Alec Baldwin. He was the one holding the weapon. He was the one who pulled the trigger. He is the one who did not ensure the weapon was clear, even though he was told it was a cold weapon, per the police report. 
And my heart goes out to Alec Baldwin. As horrible and garbage a human being as he is. He still has to live with the fact that he did something that goes way beyond calling his daughter a rude little pig or getting into a fight with a dude over a parking spot. Now, it's my understanding that he has been in contact with the family because end of the day, it was still a tragic accident. And he's doing the right thing. Now, that being said, let's look at a lot of our Hollywood big, the big action stars out of Hollywood. How many of them are anti-gun nuts, but do all of this stuff with guns and movies? Liam Neeson. Yeah, he's the biggest one off the top of my head. Uh, several others. Now, all these guys don't know a damn thing about guns. It's a fact. If you tell them to clear a weapon... They won't have a clue what you're talking about. They're not all Keanu Reeves who, oh, okay, I'm going to do a movie, uh, John Wick, where there's all sorts of gunplay. All right, let's go to the range and let's burn up some freaking ammo. Not all action stars in Hollywood are Keanu Reeves. Now, That being said, we have to take into account that a lot of Hollywood performers are ignorant in the ways of gun safety. Yes, that's true. He was handed a weapon that he was told was a cold weapon, meaning it was not loaded. And this was for a rehearsal. During the rehearsal... He pulled the trigger, and what should have gone click went boom. And a projectile, now, right now, it is undetermined what that projectile was. I'm assuming it was an actual bullet because he fired one round. It shot through the cinematographer and then hit the director. That is, so that tells me it was an actual live bullet. Now, the standard in Hollywood from everything I've been researching is that when these guns are handed out by the armor, the armor checks the weapon before handing it to the stunt coordinator who is supposed to check the weapon again. They're supposed to have a double check. This obviously did not happen. The person who handed the gun to Alec Baldwin 
should have been a third check to ensure that weapon was clear. They did not. And like I said, expecting Alec Baldwin to know how to clear a weapon is like expecting a five-year-old to know how to work on a car. But here's the thing, though. Where is the safety standards being enforced on this movie set? And I say this because, now this is from the Los Angeles Slimes, I mean the LA Times. And the date is yesterday. Headline, Rust Crew Describes Onset Gun Safety Issues and Misfires Days Before Fatal Shooting. Hours before actor Alec Baldwin fatally shot cinematographer on the New Mexico set of Rust with a prop gun, a half dozen camera crew workers walked off the set to protest working conditions. A half hour before. The camera operators and their assistants were frustrated by the conditions surrounding the low-budget film, including complaints about long hours, long commutes, waiting for paychecks, according to three people familiar with the matter, who were not authorized to comment. Safety protocol standards in the industry, including gun inspections, were not strictly followed on the set of rust. Uh, they said at least one of the camera operators complained last week to a production manager about gun safety on the set. Three crew members who were present at the Bonanza Creek Ranch set on Saturday said they were particularly concerned about two accidental prop gun discharges. Huh. Baldwin's stunt double accidentally fired two rounds Saturday after being told the gun was cold. Lingo for a weapon that doesn't have any ammunition, including blanks. Two crew members who witnessed the episode told the LA Times. Quote, there should have been an investigation into what happened. There were no safety meetings. There was no assurance that it wouldn't happen again. All they wanted to do was rush, rush, rush. A colleague was so alarmed by the prop gun misfires, he sent a text message to the unit production manager. Uh, we've had three accidental discharges. This is super unsafe. So now... We're up to three, you know, they call them misfires. I call them negligent discharges. Because somebody on that set is being negligent to the nth degree. Uh, the safety of our cast crew is the top priority of Rust Productions and everyone associated with the company, Rust Movie Productions said in a statement. Though we were not made aware of any official complaints concerning weapons or prop safety on set, we will be conducting an internal review of our procedures while production is shut down. We will continue to cooperate with the Santa Fe authorities in their investigation and offer mental health services to the cast and crew during this tragic time. The tragedy occurred Thursday afternoon during filming of a gunfight that began in a church that is part of the old western town at the ranch. Baldwin's character was supposed to back out of the church, according to production notes, Blah, 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 blah. 
cinematographer uh, Helena Hutchins was huddled around a monitor, lining up her next camera shot when she is accidentally killed by the prop gun fired by Baldwin. Like I said, this was during a rehearsal, so they weren't even filming. And this is one of those things, when you see these gunfights, or you see any fight on a movie, this stuff is choreographed to the inch. If there's moving parts, because they do are supposed to care about the actor's safety. But somewhere along lines, when you have safety protocols in place that are not being followed, it sets people up for failure. I'm getting a lot of, I can't defend this. Well, I'm going to. You might not like my defense, but as I said earlier on... Twitter, I am not here to fillet your ears. I'm going to side with truth. I'm going to side with the facts. The facts of the matter in this shooting, as tragic as it is, and yes, 100% preventable. There was a failure of the production crew. The production manager should have been keeping 100% tabs on everything going on with those guns. It would be one thing if they stopped production the first time they had, they did a shot where there should have been blanks in the gun or nothing in the gun and live rounds went off. And said, okay, what the hell is going on here? Why are there bullets in the gun? Period. It should have stopped right then. But it didn't. It was allowed to continue. It was allowed to go on. This is one of those situations where, ah, well, we'll, we'll, we'll fix it. You know, it, it's a running error. Things happen. But... They allow complacency to take over. Now, I've seen it suggested in the live chat that all these actors should have a gun safety class if they're going to do movies with guns. I agree. Hey, this is the hardware you're working with. I know you're probably not a gun person, but we're going to go over you have the three basic rules. Rule number one, treat every gun as if it is loaded. Don't listen to, you know, if you're going onto a set and they hand you a cold gun, if it's a revolver, if it's a newer revolver, you can pop the, uh, you can pop the cylinder out and look, okay, it's got no brass in it. It's good to go. If it's an old school mock-up of a you know cap and ball pistol, that'd be a little bit more. Be a little bit more difficult, but they could show them how to check it. At the very least, make sure 
spin the cylinder, make sure there's no damn caps on it. But these are things that are can be remedied. Things like this are happening in the future. Um, one of the big things that one of the big things that came out of all of this that when people started talking about it was, oh, Brandon Lee, Brandon Lee, and that was a horribly tragic thing. I, who who do we blame for Brandon Lee's death? Do we blame the other actor who had the gun who pulled the trigger while shooting that scene? Is it his fault? Is it a fault of the manufacturer of the ammunition they used? Is it the fault of the armor who maintained and issued that weapon for use? Because it was a scene in which they were filming the actual gunfire. Things were going to be going bang, bang, bang. However, in the case of Brandon Lee's death, the device that was inserted into the barrel of the gun to allow the appropriate back pressure for the pistol to cycle and function as a normal one would, it became dislodged and it became a projectile. Yeah, all these things are tragic. They, they are. And I, I know I'm going to be accused of not placing any responsibility on... Alec Baldwin, which pretty sure I started this rant that, yeah, I did lay feet at his, I did lay blame at his feet. Now, was he distinctly aiming at her? Was he waving it around all willy nilly? trying to, you know, go through the court through the choreography of what that shootout was going to be. Was he pulling the trigger to, you know, simulate, okay, I'm going to shoot here, I'm going to shoot here, I'm going to shoot here. Boom. Lady Die is asking, does it matter? I think it does. I think it does matter because there's certain things that are controllable to a point. If all of the safety systems have failed, you've been an actor in Hollywood for 30 years, 40 years, you've done countless movies where you've shot guns, like Alec Baldwin has. You go do another one and you're told, hey, the gun is clear. Hey, I'm working with trained professionals. They know what they're doing.
And there's lots of talk about, well, if he gets charged, if he gets charged. I don't think he will get charged. And, and I'll say this. I have an uncle who has to live the rest of his life, had to live his entire life, knowing that he screwed up and did not ensure his rifle was did not have a round in the chamber when it went off. That bullet went through a wall. And his little sister was playing in their mom's uh, makeup and jewelry on the vanity on the other side of that wall. There have been countless Americans who have been charged with manslaughter, negligent homicide, child endangerment over a mechanical defect in the Remington 700 rifle. A mechanical defect that Okay, my I have around the chamber, the weapon is on safe. However, the way it's designed, I have to take the weapon off safe so I can open the bolt to remove that round and clear the weapon. And they put that they move that weapon from safe to fire and it discharges. Like I said, and there's parents who have gone to jail over the death of a child because of a mechanical defect. In the case of a movie set, I, like I said, they put systems in place, you know, that if those systems are being executed per standard, this thing would not have happened. And the fact that it happened before Alec Baldwin had that revolver in his hand and they didn't do anything about it, then I... I think the onus really needs to travel up past Alec Baldwin. I, again, he's he's accepted what's happened. That you know he's the one who pulled the trigger. He's the one who killed her and wounded that dire- wounded the director. And it's something he has to live with. I think the criminal negligence falls on those who are in that safety chain who are who should have been ensuring every weapon on set was clear of live of any sort of live ammo. Um one of these one of these articles one of these articles goes on to say a 
a hot weapon in the Hollywood set means one containing any sort of ammo, whether it be uh, a blank, whether it be uh, an an actual bullet because you're going to be shooting something and you want the effect of the bullet striking. Yeah, you know, striking a uh, object. It, this is one of those horrible tragedies. I mean, this is not... A matter of Alec Baldwin walking up to her and maliciously shooting her. This is not a case of, oh, yeah, I know I'm doing with the guy. Woo, boom. This is a case it's like any other workplace accident I I work at a factory we have safety protocols in place and if you ignore a safety protocol and hurt somebody you're going to be in trouble Now, if you're doing everything according to safety protocols and people above you are not and it gets down to you and something happens and it gets somebody else hurt or it breaks equipment, they really can't get onto you. I've seen it happen where uh, a barrel needs to have a new head hoop put on. Old hoop gets knocked off. Barrel goes on the line, makes way over to the hooping machine. Hooper puts the hoop on, uses the machine to press it, and it then blows the head out and damages the machine. Why did that happen? It didn't happen because of anything the Hooper did. It happened because the inspector who determined that, hey, this needs a new head hoop. He didn't take the rubber bung out of the barrel and release the air pressure in it. Things happen. Things can happen upstream of where you're at. In any sort of environment, whether it be industrial, like where I work whether it's on a Hollywood set. When the systems are not being enforced and it leads to injury, this is where you see OSHA stepping in going, what the hell happened here? I'm not a fan of OSHA. This is one of those times where they need to step in and go, okay, WTF. Oh, you had an incident before this? in which ammo that should not have been in a cold gun was there? Who's the armorer? Who's the person in charge of these weapons when they're on the set? Well, again, I like I said, 
I looked into this because I didn't want to just come off half cocked and be like, wait, you know, Alec Baldwin's a horrible douche. Look what he did. I mean, he is a horrible douche. But I'm at least willing to give him some grace and leadway on this one because it would be tragic regardless of who it happened to. Uh, This is a headline from Business Insider. And uh, shout out to Sue, a friend on Twitter who's like, hey, check this out. A 24-year-old head armor of Alec Baldwin's movie, Rust, told a podcast she almost didn't take her last job because she wasn't sure if she was ready. A head gun handler for the movie, Rust, which has made headlines after cinematographer uh, Helena Hutchins was fairly shot by Alec Baldwin on set, revealed last month that she was worried about her experience level for her first job. Hannah Gutierrez-Reed, 24, told the podcast she almost didn't take the job, her first as head armorer, because she wasn't sure if she was ready for it. Gutierrez-Reed, daughter of veteran Hollywood armorer Thel Reed, said on the Voices of the West podcast that Russ was only her second film as head armorer. She just finished shooting the movie The Old Way with Clint Howard and Nicolas Cage. It was a really badass way to start off a really long and cool career. It was also my first time being head armor as well. I almost didn't take the job because I wasn't sure if I was ready, but doing, but doing it, like, it went really smoothly. Gutierrez added that she initially was fearful of loading blanks. I think loading blanks was the scariest thing to me because I was like, oh, I don't know anything about it. Her famous father said he helped train her up. So, was this like a crazy hot load? That even if... Even if it should have just gone bang? Because it was a hand-loaded round? If she put too much in it? And the wad at the end of the, end of the brass shot out and actually was enough to with enough force to go through a human and wound another I I don't know I mean it's insane to think that in some of these movies where everything is so controlled and in today's environment where you have choreographed gunfights you have choreographed sword fights where even though they're not sharp swords, they're blunted. Where if the stunt coordinator does not 100% make sure every step is just right, every swing is just the right level at just the right strength, somebody's going to be seriously hurt. It's hard to imagine that this would be allowed allowed to go on, especially after the, like I said, before this had happened, a week before it had happened, with rounds being in the gun. So yes, while Alec Baldwin does share a, a significant portion of the blame, he does not, He does not bear it all. And I know there are people who don't agree with me. I'm seeing it in the, seeing it in the live chat right now that, uh, 
I am not the most loved person, but like I said, I'm not here to give a ear-tickling sermon, as uh, some of those Baptist preachers I had growing up would say. I'm looking at the facts. And the facts say there was a systemic safety program failure that was a significant contributor, if not the outlying factor that caused this to happen. I want to talk to you about Keto Chow. Keto Chow is a small company out of Utah that uses the absolute best ingredients to make the absolute best weight loss products available on the market. Their first goal is flavor. Who wants to drink something as a meal replacer that tastes like crap? Keto Chow understands that this is a hard barrier for a lot of companies to break through, so they have some of the best flavors. Cookies and cream, chocolate, vanilla, real strawberry. These are the best shakes I've ever had. I've been using them for a few months now, and they are amazing. So go to the link in the show notes, check it out. You can search for recipes on how you can use their Keto Chow products to make amazing foods that taste amazing and help with your weight loss goals. KetoChow.xyz. Keto made easy. Drizzly is the leading home alcohol delivery service available. Imagine being able to sit at home and pull up your smartphone and browse your favorite wine beer, spirits, and then have it delivered to your home in as little as one hour. Go to drizzly.com or check out the link in the show notes and start shopping today. Not available in all areas. Please drink responsibly. Drizzly.com. All right, getting back into it. Getting away from Alec Baldwin because I, I I need some levity after that one. So let's go with cancel culture and censorship. Yay! Um, so Dave Chappelle has been has had the news all abuzz with his horrible, god awful, transphobic stand up comedy special. One which, yes, he used. Jokes that could be described as transphobic, but then went on to tell a story about a very touching story about a friend of his who is transgender and being by that friend's side through this process. He doesn't sound very transphobic to me. He sounds like he doesn't understand it, and he uses humor as a way to help him try to you know, noodle it out what's going on or to, just to make the social commentary for all those who don't understand what's going on. But so that's neither here nor there. I'm not here to die, you know, to break down comedy into what it's supposed to be. You know, what the hoity toity people say. Yes. Yes. Well, if it's funny, I laugh at it. If it's not funny, I shrug, change channel. Well, in all of this, there's a huge to-do 
over at Netflix. In fact, they were going to stage a giant walkout or a virtual walkout, something. I, I don't even know what a virtual walkout is. Uh, they stay at their cubicles, so but play on their computers so they still get paid? I, I don't know. But uh, this is from Zero Hedge, but it's sharing from an, an article from uh, Matt Taibbi. Cancel culture takes a big L. First, there were the numbers. Over the course of the last week, news commentators predicted a huge demonstration of Netflix employees in protest of comedian Dave Chappelle's The Closer special with Yahoo typifying coverage. Quote, reports say that 1,000 Netflix employees, nearly 10% of the company's workforce, are planning an October 20th walkout to protest the Chappelle special. Uh, the Hollywood Reporter did say, quote, at least 1,000, end quote, were planning on participating in a virtual walkout. But no, the story first came out in The Verge, which talked about a company-wide demonstration. Others followed mostly without any hint that any of the reporters involved talked to anyone at Netflix but the demonstration's organizers. Nobody checked because everyone liked the narrative as was. As a result, at least 1,000 became gospel via headlines like Gizmodo's 1,000 Netflix employees are reportedly planning walkout to protest New Chappelle special. Or the Independent inviting us to watch live as more than 1,000 Netflix employees are set to walk out on their jobs on Wednesday. By this Wednesday, October 20th, the day of the planned walkout, the story became um, hundreds of Netflix employees and supporters are expected to show up. That headline is courtesy of the Clinton News Network. Then as the event started, it became hundreds of protesters stood in solidarity with Netflix's employees per the Daily Beast. Then NBC told us, Hundreds rally outside Netflix, where protesting employees who lined up outside were met with roaring applause. How many employees walked out? Uh, not one news organization put the real number in a headline, and only a few had the guts to even tweet about the actual protest was reduced in the end to the famed Arrested Development meme. There are dozens of us! Dozens! Yes, that's right. Only dozens showed up. Not hundreds. Not the well-loved idea of thousands, of a, of a thousand employees and the supporters showing up and decrying this horrible, horrible thing against the trans people. It's so ridiculous. I mean, e even their theatrics, I can't even do because, oh my gosh. <laughs> Kim wants to know who had more people, the Netflix protest or the Chicago Sky Parade? LOL. Um, 
I think by default, that would be the Netflix protest because there you had at least 36 people who were actually interested in what was going on. Half of Chicago said, no, our, our basketball team is the Bulls. What are you talking about? The sky? Never heard of them. Even the op-ed wrap-ups couldn't avoid sounding like parodies with the Washington Post talking about the crowd of dozens gathered outside the company's West Hollywood offices being evidence that the popularity of a comedian whose show has already gained over 10 million views was colliding with a growing movement to protest the rights of transgender people. How a comedy set could be a violation of the rights of transgender people was not explained, of course. Coverage across the board was ridiculously one-sided, with story after story quoting nothing but activists and woke Twitter personalities denouncing Chappelle's, Chappelle's alleged jokes. Journalists not only felt no responsibility to accurately gauge how many protesters might turn up or balance out the outraged tweets with any of the millions of commenters who felt differently, or indifferently as it were, they routine, routinely mischaracterized the show's content. For example, Chappelle was regularly accused of having defended the rapper DaBaby in the special, with an example being New York Times guest columnist Roxanne Gay. One of the strangest, most telling moments in The Closer is when Mr. Chappelle defends DaBaby, a rapper in the news, for making pretty egregious homophobic remarks. Uh, okay. So what I'm about to read is this is going to be verbatim from the article. Quote, You have to be high or having a psychotic episode to hear Defending the Baby in the closer. For those who don't know the story, I didn't. The Baby described by Chappelle as the number one streaming artist until about a couple weeks ago went on stage in a concert in Florida in July and went on a half-coherent rant. He told fellas in the crowd, if you ain't sucking D in the parking lot, put your cell phones up. Some of the crowd went along. End quote. (laughs) Oh, my gosh. Uh, Chappelle's first comment was, now, you know I go hard in the paint, but even I saw that S and was like, God damn it, baby. They went on. Quote, can't do that. Can't do that. But I do believe, and I'll make this point later, that the kid made a very egregious mistake. I will acknowledge that. But you know, a lot of the LG- LBGTQ community doesn't know the baby's history. He's a wild guy. He once shot a N-word and killed him in Walmart. Oh, oh, this is true. Google it. The baby shot and killed a N-word in Walmart, North Carolina. Nothing bad happened to his career. You see where I'm going with this? In our country, you can shoot and kill a N-word, but you better not hurt a gay person's feelings. End quote. It's true. I mean... It, 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 this goes back to 
History of the World Part 1, where Commodus, the stand-up philosopher, talking about, you know, coalescing, blah, 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 blah. There's nothing wrong with making with making very astute observations about what goes on in society. These people have lost their damn minds. And I, I'm pretty sure the first people to tweet about how awful, how horrible the anti-LGBTQQIA2 plus ad infinitum community how bad these jokes about them were. There were two kind of, I would call them fat, but I don't want, I, I don't want to fat shame them. And, you know, fat phobia is a thing now, apparently, even though I'm also, you know, getting close to 300 pounds of my own self. These two broads. Yes. I said broads suck at Trebek. Um, like two rows back, you see this, see the picture of them, and they're both sitting there, just scowling. If eyes could throw daggers, Dave Chappelle would have been randomly pierced with about 300 of them, one for each pound of one woman. Kim says life is comedy. You just have to see it in that lens. Yeah, of course, you know, my life being a tra- being a comedy is more like the, uh, back in the uh, Shakespearean days of comedy. Not ha-ha, isn't that funny, but, oh, it's, uh, it's so tragic in a funny sort of way. Yeah, the line between comedy and tragedy 500 years ago was just absolutely was so thin you would never know when you crossed it. <laughs> yeah, I got Kim quoting uh, Weird Al in the live chat. It got if you're listening to this on demand, you know, whether it's on Apple, whether it's you know at relentlessdaring.com slash podcast. Come on. You, you gotta at least make it to a live show at least once. It, it, Half the entertainment is not what's coming out of my mouth. The majority of the entertainment is of what's on the screen. And I'm amazed that Steve still hasn't tried to derail my train of thought once this episode. He must be slacking. Uh, But, yeah, it's absolutely ridiculous. And big tech, they also struck out, and this I'm going to go keep the censorship train going here for next little bit before uh, the show ends. Yep. Political speech is something that is protected. Now what happens when political speech and COVID speech intersects? Now, normally intersectionality is a good thing. I mean, if you're a gay right-handed pitcher from Japan and when it comes to baseball, I mean, golly, you're like the, you're like the golden goose of athletes right there. Of course, no, because you'd have to be a gay trans right-handed pitcher from Japan. But that's neither here nor there. 
in all the world of politics, intersectionality is a thing because the left loves identitarian politics. And what better way to develop identitarian politics than with intersectionality? Coming up with the idea that because you are this group, this group, this group, this group, and this group, you are more oppressed than that person who is that group and that group. Well, now when you add COVID into politics, suddenly it becomes a much stickier situation and you, you can't hold people to that same, that same code of, well, it's intersectional. You, you can't, you can't get rid of it. Uh, case in point headline, YouTube nukes video of GOP lawmakers discussing constitutional limits to COVID vax mandates. Okay. A video where they're having a roundtable discussion. Is this something that's constitutional? It doesn't seem like it'd be a big deal. I mean, if I wanted to make a YouTube video saying, hey, is the right to own a gun still a thing? And then lay out a case about why, no, we shouldn't own guns. Or the opposite way. Yes, here is all the reasons why you know, the right to bear arms is still a thing in this country. I could do that. People might not like it. But if I'm not advocating violence, if I'm not doxing people, if I'm not trying to, you know, exploit children for whatever reason, it's good to go on YouTube as long as it meets the standards that they set and that I agreed to follow. This video did not give out medical... Well, um, let me read the article. YouTube took down a video posted by the House Freedom Caucus of lawmakers discussing the constitutional limits to medically coercive vaccine mandates for the novel Wuhan coronavirus. And this, this, is the, uh, this is the message they sent to the House Freedom Caucus. Hi, House Freedom Caucus. Our team has reviewed your content, and unfortunately, we think it violates our medical misinformation policy. We have removed the following content from YouTube. Video. HFC calls out Biden admin for tyrannical vaccine mandate. We know this might be disappointing, but it's important to us that YouTube is a safer place for all. If content breaks our rules, we remove it. If you think we've made a mistake, you can appeal, and we'll take another look. Keep reading for more details. How your content violated the policy. YouTube doesn't allow claims about COVID-19 vaccinations that contradict expert consensus from local health authorities and the World Health Organization. Blah, 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 blah. So, okay, they didn't say anything about COVID-19. They didn't say anything about vaccines. They were talking about mandates. As I have said before, I am half vaccinated. I have had one shot of Moderna. I know I, I, know I talked about it because I told you all about how I found out it was science making the mag- magnet stick to people's arms. And not the vaccine. Capillarity. Go back, check out the last couple episodes. I talked about it. Sorry, didn't mean to hit my cord. Um, anyways, 
The nuked video focused on a proposal from Kansas Republican Senator Roger Marshall to defund President Joe Biden's federal vaccine mandate by blocking the use of resources within OSHA or the Department of Labor for enforcement. The Marshall Amendment failed 50-50 along party lines, unable to capture the 60 votes it needed. Oh, Oh, yes, Joe Manchin and Kristen Sinema standing up for what's right in America yet again, folks. Of course, they probably did vote for this, and it was probably you know, jackasses like, I don't know, Mitt Romney or Susan Collins. Well, probably the both of them who voted with the Democrats to block it. Oh, no, we have to do this. We have to save America. Force everybody to get shots. So you're going to force Americans to get shots. I like them to be whiskey shots. I'm just saying. Although shooting whiskey is a horrible waste of whiskey, it needs to be sipped, enjoyed slowly. But I digress. The panel discussion censored by YouTube featured Utah Republican Senator Mike Lee, House Freedom Caucus members Andy Biggs of Arizona, Lauren Boebert of Colorado, Louis Gomer of Texas, and Alex Mooney of West Virginia. A YouTube spokesperson told the Federalists in an emailed statement the video had been reinstated after further review Wednesday evening. Quote, The video is now available on YouTube. When it's brought to our attention that content has been removed mistakenly, we act quickly to reinstate it. We also offer uploaders the ability to appeal. And we will re-review the content. But an identical video remained up on YouTube from another account managed by House Freedom Caucus while it was offline on the group's alternative page. In the video, Lee railed against Biden's attempts to require companies employing more than 100 workers to mandate the vaccine. Quote, It's important to remember that the federal government doesn't have the power to impose a vaccine mandate on the general population. It doesn't have the power at all, even if we did, which we don't, Certainly, the President of the United States, acting unilaterally, may not do this. The reason courts can't act on the mandate, Lee said, is because there's not even a mandate in effect, which at this point remains only in the form of a non-binding press release. He hasn't had the decency to give us the documents, so we don't know what his theory is. There's nothing to enjoin for the courts. President Biden is using corporate America to do his dirty work for him. They're then going out under the threat of eventually being fined. They're adopting really aggressive policies. They're firing people. Often, what they do is put them on unpaid administrative leave so they can't even get unemployment, which that's just even the most despicable way of handling it. Seriously? Uh, yeah, we're not going to fire you. We're going to put you on. We're just going to put you on unpaid leave. That way you're still technically employed and then you lose your house because, you know, the the whole eviction moratorium is done now. It's insane. The fact that nerds who don't like what people say because it doesn't go with their political agenda are coming out and going after, you know, congressmen and senators shutting down their political speech. Nothing, I watched this video, there is nothing, uh, you know, the vaccines don't work. Generally, they've all had the vaccine. 
I mean, Mike Lee came out and he did his hostage video. I got the vaccine. Anyway, is is well, he's talking about getting the vaccine, but he's blinking. Is that is that Morse code? S O S. I am being held at gunpoint and need salving. Salving? What the heck? Oh, saving. Yeah. That, that's what Mike Lee and Ted Cruz's videos look like when they were doing the, it is, it is a, that Vietnam POW being interviewed, just blinking away, saying, they're beating me. Hello, help. These are people who generally trust the vaccine. I don't think they're going to be doing a video trashing something they've gotten. I mean, that seems kind of counterproductive if you're trying to convince American citizens that, yes, you need to get this. Meanwhile, I got it. I don't think it works. I don't know. It's dumb. It's ridiculous that, you know, you know sometimes when these guys in the House and the Senate have something really controversial to say, if they release a video on YouTube or Facebook or Twitter, it'll get shot down before it gets any reach. So they have to make their appeals over on controversial topics from the well of the Senate. And even then, um, what that long ago where a video of a Senator may have been Ron Johnson. I don't remember off the top of my head who gave an impassioned speech from the well of the Senate where it doesn't matter what you say. You can be Harry Reid, stand up in the well of the Senate and go, Mitt Romney didn't pay taxes for 10 years and blatantly lie, and there's nothing you can do about it. You can't even sue him for the for the slander. Yet there was a senator speaking out on COVID issues who, in the well of the Senate, who was still censored. The one place that the Supreme Court has said, okay, if they say it there, you cannot shut it down. YouTube shut it down. Insanity. And that being said, ladies and gentlemen, this insanity is over for the night. Those of you who followed along the live show, thank you so much for joining me. If I made you mad, I'm sorry. But hey, I I gotta say it how I gotta say it how I see it. It is what it is. But hey, we can generally align on things and have differences. We don't have to be monolithic in our way of thinking. As opposed to how progressives on the right and progressives on the left think we should all be. So again, thank you for listening live. If you are listening to this on podcast, namely on Apple, I'd ask you to do four things. Number one, please hit that follow button or subscribe button, whatever it says on your says on your podcast app. Either way, please, please follow, subscribe, whatever. I don't care. I love you. After that, please rate the show. I'm looking for five stars. That's why I want five stars. I'll accept four. Well, we'll have to discuss three. All right. Anything less than three, just don't even rate it. Love you. God bless you. Don't rate it if it's going to be less than three.
After that, write a short review. That's item number three on that list. Write a review. Say something nice. You don't have to write this, you know, giant tome about how awesome the show is. Just if we have a couple nice sentences, you know, easy easy for a new new potential listeners to go through and go, oh, okay, people generally like this. And finally, last thing I ask you to do, please share this. If you have a friend who absolutely hates hates Alec Baldwin with a passion and you want to get under their skin because you know how they'll react to what I said the first half of this show, please send it to that friend. If they hate you for the rest of your life, that is not my fault. That's on them. Just saying. Or if someone loves Alec Baldwin, thinks that he walks on water and that his crap smells like roses, Send me, send this to, uh, send this to that friend. Share it with them. That's cool too. I, I'm open to gaining listenership wherever I can, especially after I went and shot myself in the foot with this episode. But hey, it is what it is. Again, thank you so much for listening. Uh, if you want to support the show, please go to relentlessdaring.com. At the top of the page, you will see a donate now button. Click that little sucker, and it will pop up. It'll take you to PayPal, and you can. Set up a one-time donation. You can set up a monthly donation. Either or, that just helps to keeping, you know, the webpage hosted and the podcast, you know, so I can keep saving episodes and putting it out to you. That's all that does. Nothing fancy. I'm not buying boats or cars or whatever. Contrary to what you might think, yes, I'm a capitalist. No, I'm not using this to do things on wholly personal things, even though I want to eventually. But again, thank you so much for listening. Also, be sure to check out the merch shop, relentlessdaring.com slash shop. Check it out. we got shirts, T-shirts, coffee cups, mugs, yeah, all that good stuff. Check all that out. Again, thank you so much for listening, even if you didn't agree with me, even if you think that I'm a boob for trying to defend Alec Baldwin. Keep in mind, this is not a total defense of Alec Baldwin. This was pointing out so many failures that led to what happened. Again, thank you for listening. And as always, stay relentless. This is Relentless Dairy on Podbean.com.